Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. Is my goodness good enough for you? Whatever you're going through right now, is my goodness good enough for you right now? Just to focus and sink on his, sink into his goodness. Uh, if you're like me, it's so easy to forget just how good he is. I mean, he's so much better than we think. He's so much better than I think. Is his goodness good enough for your situation right now? Can his goodness cover you? Is his goodness covering you right now? So God, I, I, I just pray, I welcome your presence. We know you're here, but we just welcome you to move. We welcome you to speak to us. We, we welcome you to be the main focus the entire time. That is our heart. That is our goal, to just keep our eyes on your goodness this entire time and just be blessed as we just gaze into an amazing, amazing God. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you, if you have your Bibles or if you want to go with your phones, 1 Samuel 14 is really the story I'm going to dig into today. But I'm going to start in chapter 13, kind of set it up here. I'll, I'll share the story. And it, it starts with this. This is the Israelites versus the Philistines. And the Philistines have 3,000 chariots and 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the sea. And the Israelites see this and they know this and they are terrified. They are completely outnumbered. I, I've seen a movie, so I feel pretty well knowledgeable, knowledgeable about this. I saw Gladiator. Chariots are hard to bring down. That's my only information I know on chariots, but they're hard to beat. So they are, they are in fear. And if you go down to verse 19, not a blacksmith in the country could be found. They had no weapons. They are not only outnumbered against these people who are well-equipped well for the fight, they have nothing. They're using, they're like sharpening their farming equipment and then like, okay, now we're going to try and fight them with our farming equipment. They're outnumbered, and if you go down, the people um, who were with Saul were quaking, his entire army was quaking with fear. Like they are shaking with fear. I don't know if you've been to a place in your life where you have so much fear that you're actually shaking. This is intense fear. This is really, really intense. And you can understand why. If you're sitting there in that army thinking, we have no weapons, and they have chariots, and they outnumber us, you can understand the fear. You can understand living in this place of fear, and that is what they're doing. They are hiding. They are hiding in caves. They are hiding from this army. And as I looked into this story, I felt like God was speaking to me through this, this lens of connection. This is what we're going after. And for me, I so saw a people who are living in fear and shame, who are living in this place that it's not, that it, that's a hard place to live, living in fear and shame. And really, when you look at connections, 
this is a huge, major battle. In our relationships, when we are living in a place of fear and shame, this is the battle. This is the battle. And so I want to go back to the very beginning. And, and let, me, let me say this point. It's not that we ever don't feel fear or shame. I think it's fine to feel fear and shame. It's, it's the living in it part. It is this, it is now dominating my, my choices. It is controlling me to live in this place of fear and shame. That's what I want to break out of. That's what I want to lean into. And so we're going we're gonna to pause this story. We're going to go to the very, very beginning because there's a great context to fear and shame at the very, very beginning with Adam and Eve. And with Adam and Eve, God created Adam. He looks at Adam and says, man, it's, it's not good that man should be alone. Which is an interesting point because Adam's not alone. He's with God. Which is fascinating when we talk about we need connection with God, but we also are created, we're designed to need connection with others. That if we don't have connection with others, there's something that's not fulfilled in our design. That's fascinating to me. Okay, then in Genesis 2.24, God sees Adam alone. He creates Eve. Then he says in 24, this is why... A man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. It's really odd to me that he's, he's saying this to Adam and Eve when they don't have a father or mother. Isn't that odd? The only context that they have of a father is God. That's fascinating to me. All of humanity started with one father. It's just cool. All right, and then this is, this was, this is what's so important here. We got to get this. He created them. He united them in this marriage, and he has the opportunity to define what this is like. And I believe God really pinpoints this sentence. This is so key. He says this in 25. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now, it's easy to, you know, read that and just kind of move on. That is jam-packed right there in that sentence. That is a major sentence that God has just, I am defining marriage and all of connections in a beautiful place in the Garden of Eden with this. They, they were naked and they felt no shame. So let's break this open. The first part, they're completely seen. All of who they are are known. All of their feelings, all of who they are is right there to be seen. And, and Danny Silk says, intimacy is into me you see. It is so key that we are completely seen. This is the beginning of everything. If you want intimacy, we have to be fully known, fully seen. And then, he says, in that place of being fully seen, there is no shame. Zero shame in the midst of being completely seen. What does this mean? Well, Brene Brown, let's go to our expert on vulnerability and shame. She says, shame, what is shame? Shame is the intensely painful belief 
that there is something about you that makes you unworthy of love and belonging. I'll say it again. Shame is the intensely painful belief that there is something about you that makes you unworthy of love and belonging. So you put that together. They are completely seen. The depths of who they are. There is nothing that's not seen. There's nothing that's hidden. All of their feelings, all of who they are, are seen. And in that place of being seen, there is nothing that makes them unworthy of love. That is the original design for connection. It's the original design in our connection with God. It's, our, it's the original design for our connection with others and in marriage. To be completely seen with zero amount. Not a single belief that says, I'm unworthy of love. Wow. Isn't that cool? So that really becomes this, this goal for marriage. It becomes this goal for our connections. It becomes this goal for our relationship with God. I want to hit this point because I feel like it. Man, you're seen with God. You can be completely seen for your performance, for exactly who you are right now. And God looks at you right in this very moment. He's here in this moment, and he's looking at you. He sees all of who you are, and he says, there's nothing that makes you unworthy of love, and you belong with me. Right now in this moment, that is true. And so often we become the barrier ourselves, and so it, we hide from God. And don't, we don't allow him to have that moment where he sees us and he says, yeah, nothing, nothing makes you unworthy of love. It's good. All right, so Adam and Eve lived in this place for a while, and then obviously we know the story. Satan came and deceived them. They ate of the apple, and what happened here? Then in verse... In verse 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking through the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. There's a lot here. Uh, 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 this is what's interest, interesting to me. I want to give some credit to Adam here. That might sound odd because he just made the worst mistake of all of humanity. But let's give him some credit because I actually think he could have stayed hidden. To a God who knows exactly where he is. There's no real hiding from God. God knows exactly where he is. And I believe God gives him a choice. Hey, where are you? Where are you? And Adam has a choice to stay hidden and not come out or answer. And I want to give him some credit. He answers. He answers. He doesn't stay hidden. He steps out. And I believe this is a key because there's something that's important that, that happens in this story because he answers. And I'm going to drop down to Genesis 3.21. The Lord God made Obviously, the consequences happen. That's important, but that's another story. But in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This is interesting. Think about this. If, you, if you're making a skin, you're killing something. 
This is the first death in history. It was an animal. And many theologians think it was a sheep. It was a picture of Christ to come. See, Adam and Eve, they hid previously under fig trees. A lot of theologians think that that hiding, those figs, is actually a picture of our self-righteousness. So originally, when they felt afraid and they hid, and they covered themselves with their performance, they covered themselves with their self-righteousness. And then when God comes in the story, Adam answers. He at least comes out, and God is so gracious that he says, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice something so that you can be clothed. It is the picture of Jesus coming, being the sacrifice for us, clothing us with his righteousness so that there is absolutely no shame in us. So that now we can go back to the Garden of Eden where we can be completely seen and known. And he says, there is nothing about you that makes you unworthy of love. There is absolutely nothing about you that makes you unworthy of love. You're covered in my righteousness. It's good. So that's the context of shame and of fear that I want to lay the groundwork for. But let's go back to the story because we find this army, this entire nation is in crippling fear. I mean, this is intense. Uh, like I said, they are shaking. If you've ever been in, in a place where you've, you're shaking with fear, that's intense. They are living in this. What happens? What's the turning point for them to get out of this shame? What's the turning point? What's the moment where it's like, this breaks? Because we need that. They needed that. So that's where we go to 1 Samuel 14. And this is the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan comes to his armor bearer who's, who's young, and he says, hey, let's go to the Philistine army. I'm seeing, like, as I look around everywhere, everyone's terrified. They're living in fear and shame. So let's just go. Let's get out of this hiding. Let's go. And they don't tell their dad. They don't tell Saul. Jonathan doesn't tell Saul. They leave. And Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the to outpost of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps, get this, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. <laughs> perhaps. They're in terrible fear, and, and it's not like God's showing up to Jonathan and saying, this is the word of the Lord. If you go to the Philistine outpost, you will certainly have victory. It's like God wasn't even speaking at that point. And he just says, all right, let's go. And maybe, maybe God will show up, perhaps. And his armor bearer is like, sure, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you, all heart and soul. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. This is, this is crazy. And so if you're, if you're like me, I'm thinking, okay, let's have a really good strategy then. Because you only have one weapon. Jonathan has a weapon. His armor bearer has no weapons. You only have one weapon. It's two of you versus this entire army. Let's come up with a good strategy. Maybe let's, let's do a sneak attack. Maybe let's, 
Let's flank them, although you only have two people. Or at least try and get the high ground. I've watched Star Wars be before. <laughs> Having the high ground is important, okay? And so let's, let's, see, let's see this magical plan that they have. In verse 8, Jonathan said, Come, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. What? Like, their whole strategy is that? Their whole strategy is, we're just going to go and let them see us. That's not smart. <laughs> like, there's nothing to that. There's nothing to that strategy. They have the low ground. The Philistines are up on a cliff on a mountain. They have the low ground, and their entire strategy is, you know what? We see everyone around us living in fear, hiding in fear. Problem is that they're hiding. The problem is everyone's terrified in fear. Really, to break that, we just have to be seen. Break the real problem. The core of the problem is everyone's hiding. So let's just be seen. And I can promise you, they felt fear. But they were trading living in fear for embracing a moment of fear. End of the day, that is so much of what vulnerability is in relationships. We can live in a place of fear and shame and let that dictate all of our life and all of our relationships where we are living or we can embrace a moment of fear, ability. <sighs> sounds like a terrible strategy sometimes. Honestly, doesn't always sound all that great. It doesn't. It, there's, and if, if vulnerability doesn't fake fear, it's probably just transparency. Which is not bad. I'm not saying transparency is bad. It's real. But vulnerability, there's something at the core of vulnerability where there's actually fear in showing up. That is what breaks living in fear and shame. So let's go back to our vulnerability expert, Brene Brown. Vulnerability is not weakness, and that myth is profoundly dangerous. Vulnerability is the birthplace of connection and the path to the feeling of worthiness. You hear that? That is so good. It's the path. Vulnerability is the path to the feeling of worthiness. King Shane. Vulnerability is the birthplace of everything we want more of. This is still Brene Brown, not me. We think that vulnerability will bring shame, anxiety, fear, and uncertainty. But without vulnerability, there's no love, no belonging, or joy. That shame grows in the atmosphere of secrecy, silence, and judgment. But when you put shame in an atmosphere of empathy, it cannot survive. When you put shame in an atmosphere of empathy, it cannot survive. It requires a moment of vulnerable. To break shame, it requires a moment where you embrace that fear and say, what I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through, this is who I am. And when we receive empathy back, Shame. Cannot live. That's amazing. Um, I, I've been um, 
really connection codes. This has been something I've been diving into, and the more I dive into it, it's like, wow, this is life-changing. Like, it was life-changing, then I'd, I'd take another step in, and it's like, whoa, this is even more life-changing than I thought. There's so many layers, and, and Elijah told me this practice he had been doing a while ago of, of every that comes up, he would just get out. I just got to get it out. And I took that, and I've been battling with that of just, okay, whatever emotion I'm feeling, I got to get it. I got to process it. And this last Monday, I, Monday night, I heard some things that really hurt, felt intense emotions about. And, and the intensity of it was it have impacted me for the next week or so. And then after a week, it would have been like, it's still impacting me, but it's not as like right in my face. And so Tuesday morning, I, I wake up and I went on a walk with God. And I just began to, to share. Just in this prayer time with God. And I, I just said emotion after emotion after emotion after emotion. There was probably 30 different things that I felt hurt about. God, I feel hurt over this. I feel hurt over this. And I, all the different things with fear and all the different thing, things with anger and sadness. And, and afterwards, I'm walking back and I'm like, I feel really good. Like, I shouldn't feel like this right now. I shouldn't be feeling like this. It, it, it's, it's stunning. I had no idea the, the impact that that could have. I was totally oblivious. It, it's, it's stunning to me the night and day difference I can feel afterwards. Fascinating. It's fascinating. And so there really is this, this fight to be vulnerable, to be real with God over our emotions. And then I, I began to share it with people and just... But at that point, I was like, I don't feel the sting of it, but I still want to share. I'll get it out even more. And it's so cool because I was able to manage those emotions night and day differently. I mean, felt so night and day different. Along with, I felt a lot closer and connected to God and with those people I shared with. It's, I, I'm, I'm amazed at connection codes, some of these things. It's just amazing. But it is, it is em embracing this moment of vulnerability, embracing this moment of just being real, of auth being authentic and real that is so powerful. So that has been one of my fights. The other fight has, has just been to, to be myself. And this, this might sound weird, um, but there really is a, a vulnerability in just being yourself sometimes. Um, a lot of times inwardly, I have this dialogue that says, I have to be more to be loved. I have an inward dialogue that says, I have to do more to be loved. And when I'm with others, I have to prove something. I have to prove that I'm valuable. I have to prove that I'm worthy of love. I have to, I have to stir that thing up to prove that I'm worthy of love. And quite honestly, I, it's just another aspect of shame. Brene Brown says, perfectionism is the belief that if we look perfect, we do it perfectly and live perfectly, that we can avoid or minimize the feelings of shame, blame, and judgment. But that's just another type of shame. And I, I'm, not, I'm not as much of a perfectionist, but I, I'm like a, a cousin of that that says, I have to be great at everything. And if I'm not great, then then there's, there's shame. There's this feeling of I'm not worthy of love if I'm not the best, if I'm not great. <sighs> Unfortunately, I think 
many times this permeates Christian culture. Is this walking in on a Sunday morning thinking, I have to look really good. And I have to look really spiritual to be loved. I have to look like a really good Christian to be loved. I have to be perfect in front of God to be loved. I have to be spiritual to God to be loved. And actually, that's just feeding shame. It's feeding this, this idea that, yeah, you have to be fake to be loved. It's feeding shame. And I, I, not just in the church, I feel it outside of the church when I'm meeting new people or, or if I see someone, I, I have that thing that stirs up that says, I have to do more. I have to prove that I'm worthy of love. I can't just be myself. And uh, Elijah and I, he mentioned we were going to the preacher's conference about two weeks ago. And on the way down, I was, I was sitting in the car and I felt fear. I just felt this fear of like, I'm going to meet all these people I don't know and I feel fear like I have to prove that I'm a good preacher. I feel fear that I have to prove that I'm a good leader. And, and this is an introvert's nightmare, right? Meeting all these new people and trying to prove that I'm valuable. Having to prove that I'm, I'm worthy to connect with. And so becoming aware of that fear, I, I just inwardly had a fight to say, you know what? I'm going to fight just to be myself. And on the outside, it wouldn't look vulnerable in the slightest. But inwardly, it was. Inwardly, there's this fight to be vulnerable. And I want to encourage all of us, Sunday mornings, wherever we at, we're at, we can just fight to inwardly be ourselves. If we don't, we're not going to feel that worthiness of love in everything. We'll, it will actually feed shame if we don't. Amen? Okay. Brene Brown, I know I'm going to her a lot, but she's, she has some good stuff. She's, she's done all these studies, and this is, this is so important. In studies, they found that people who are able to be vulnerable are the ones that can beat shame and have the ability to feel worthy of love. It's not just a nice thought. These are like, it's, it's backed by studies. It's the design of who we are. I believe we are designed to be vulnerable with people, to be fully seen and, and fully embraced. That is our, it's at our core. So let's go back to the story because they had this brilliant strategy again to just be seen. That's all they did. And if we go to verse 12, um, he says, come up and... Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. They had the right answer, so they start climbing up and they start slaughtering the Philistines. I mean, they are climbing up the hill and they are destroying them. Jonathan and his armor bearer kill 20 of the Philistines and it, then it begins to send panic to the Philistines. In verse 15, then panic struck the whole army those in the camp in the field and those in the outposts and the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. So they have this one moment of vulnerability, and it sends complete panic to the enemy. God shows up, and now the enemy's in panic. And I just, I think to myself, man, if you're real with your feelings 
to God and with others, I think the enemy has nothing to attack anymore. Like, the enemy only has a voice in the darkness. But when you bring everything into the light, he's so powerless. He's so powerless. God is not afraid of your feelings. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your beliefs. Bring it to the light. And there's powerless, there is panic in the enemy. But then this is what I get excited about. Is that two people, two people embracing this moment of vulnerability changes the course for the entire nation. 1 Samuel 14, 20. Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. The Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone and had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. Two people's courage. Two people saying, I'm going to embrace shame because I don't want to stay hidden anymore. Brought courage to an entire nation. It brought courage to an entire army. This is what gets me excited because I think, man, I'm so blessed with some of these connection coach things and, and diving into it. And just thinking about like, man, if I, if I stay vulnerable for the rest of my life, it's going to impact my family. It's not just for me. It's powerful for just me. It's changed my life just as I've gone into it. But I, I get excited thinking my family can walk in this too. I get excited that our friends can walk in this too, that all of this community can walk in this. And I'm believing that there's an army out there. I believe there's an army in Sonoma County that's, that's waiting for people to take a stand and say, look at us. We're not going to be in hiding anymore. We're not going to hide who we are. We're not going to hide our feelings. We're not going to hide who God's created us to be. We're not going to live in hiding anymore. There's an army out there that is ready to join the fight. So why don't you stand with me? I want to pray. Again, I... I, I I just want a moment with the Holy Spirit, with you and the Holy Spirit, with you and God right now. I felt like he, was, he had this question going back to the Garden of Eden, just saying, where are you? Where are you? Like the real you. <clears throat> the real you that doesn't have to be fake. Where are you? that doesn't have to perform, can just show up right as you are. So Father, I, I just pray that you would, um, that you would see us. I 
pray that we could be vulnerable right now and show you the depths of who we are, that we could be fully seen with you first and foremost. I pray for that moment that we feel as if we're back in the Garden of Eden, we're completely seen by you. I pray that you would experience a moment where the Father right now says, there is nothing, nothing about you that makes you unworthy of love and belonging. Where he sees the depths of who you are right now. He sees what you've, do you've done. He sees what you feel. And there's nothing about you that makes you unworthy of love. Nothing. And I just, God, I pray for a conviction inside of our hearts. I pray for conviction that just says, I'm not going to hide anymore. A conviction that says, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm not going to live in fear and shame. I'm going to be real. I'm going to embrace moments of vulnerability so that I can break living in fear and shame. Those moments of being real with God and others. That we would embrace just being ourselves all the time. Refuse to be anyone else. You're amazing just how you are. I love you guys. I love being family here. I really do. I, I just want to brag on you. Quite honestly, I've been, I've, I've been just trying to be myself for a while, and I walk in here, and I feel so much love from you guys. Like, I've been so blessed to just be family with you guys. It is amazing. You guys are so amazing. I'm so thankful for you guys. And I, I, man, I just, I pray that everyone would experience that. Just that love and family where you walk in and you're just loved for who you are. Where you're just loved right where you're at. You don't have to be anything else. What a great family we get to be. It's so beautiful. I'm so excited to be a part of this family. Love you guys. Hey, have a good week. If you need prayer, prayer team, come up. If not, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit Podcast. For more information about The Pursuit, visit us at thepursuitsoco.com.